You're listening to Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If you're tired of your stagnant, streamed music feed, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey through Peter and Nick's favorite songs. Welcome to episode 46 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. Um, my time in university as an undergrad student is running out. This is my last week of class. Nice. So just trying to soak it all in and enjoy my last my last month pretty much of, of being an undergrad student. When is your final day? Uh, well, my last day of classes is tomorrow. And then yeah. my last exam, I will submit on the 15th. When is your graduation? Do you know? That is uh, end of June. Like, I think the week of June 28th or something like that, maybe middle of June. It's still up in the air, but yeah, okay. can't wait. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. I, I photograph graduations, so I've been to many university graduations. Uh, I've seen people do a lot of stupid things while accepting their diploma on stage with the chancellor or the vice chancellor. So yeah, don't do anything stupid. That's the only, thing, the only advice I have for you. Yeah, no plans on that. I'm just going to walk up, get my diploma, and then sit down for another like three hours while I call the names. <laughs> yeah, because you're at a pretty big school, aren't you? Yeah, I believe they separate the ceremonies by like uh, faculties. So yes, I'll be do, with yeah. all the fa- Yeah, so yeah. that won't be too bad, but still a lot of names to listen to. Yeah, we've had grads go up dancing towards the chancellor as they're accepting their award one time this is when you could shake hands uh the chancellor went to shake the hand of the graduate and they dabbed instead oh yeah okay. and the chancellor looked pissed so um <laughs> yeah because i i, 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 photo- I photographed the handoff so when you know the when the chancellor hands the the tube over to yes. the graduate uh so the dabbing one was it looked horrible you could just see the chancellor just an angry look on his face so yeah <sighs> I hope it was worth it for the guy who dabbed the dabber. People laughed, but uh, it was an awkward laugh. It was like, uh-oh. It was one yeah, of those like an, o- an awkward pity laugh almost. Like, well, yeah. we might as well give this guy a laugh. He just embarrassed himself. He, he just embarrassed himself, yes. Yeah. Uh, and with us in our Brisbane studios is our lovely engineer, Darren. Darren, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Cool. All right, Nick, you are going first. Uh, I'm very curious I want to know more about the artist. So, so tell me about your artist. <laughs> yeah, sure. So before we get too much into it, I'll just say that uh, this week I had you listen to Hazard Duty Pay by JPEG Mafia. It's off his latest album, which released in December. And I think it's a wild, crazy, ridiculous song uh, that's also just extremely well made. And JPEG Mafia, insanely interesting guy. So we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about him a lot uh, he's a character but before we do that darren why don't you just hit play on jpeg mafia you think you know me So we can hear right away at the beginning of that song, just this absolutely wonderful sample. It's from a 1987 song named Ain't No Need to Worry by The Winans and Anita Baker. And 
I don't know about you, but for me, that sample just makes the song what it is. Mm. It's it's funny that you that the sample is from 1987 because the song I got you to listen to later is from 1987 as well. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Yeah, there you go. Was, I guess some good stuff was happening in 1987. Though I don't know if anyone sampled Robbie Robinson yet. No. Uh, well, I'll tell you. I, I was going to talk about this later, but 1987, and, and I'll touch about it later, uh, is one of those great musical years where seminal albums were released that year. But I'll talk about that in my second. Yeah. So I, it's it's apparent from the start that this song, it's it's all about juxtaposition to me and that's why I, I chose it for this week because i think it's so creative and interesting how peggy uh his nickname combined like a smooth soulful sound in the production the super uh, lush just nice sounding instrumental with gritty aggressive vocal delivery and it's hard to pull off but uh i mean obviously i'm a big fan of peggy so i think it's a great song i think he nailed it but you might feel that this is something that it probably took you a while to even wrap your head around. Uh, it might be a foreign sounding song to you. Um, Cause certainly I've never, I've not heard much like this before. So just give yeah. me your take. I, I, I think you're, you're right there. I, I did find the, the difference in styles between the backing track and his rap delivery. I thought that was a little weird. Uh, it, it, it was a little grating at times. Uh, obviously the more you listen to it, the more you get used to it and things like that. Um, I was really impressed by his rap delivery because it, it's so quick, his delivery, that I wasn't sure if that was all done in one take or if that had to be split up because it's he, he, he raps really fast. Um, yeah, I would be I'd be interesting to see if he could do that live because I think that it might have been sped up a little bit. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I've I've never had the chance to see Peggy live. I actually like missed out on two of his concerts uh, that I wanted to go to, didn't end up happening. But I've seen a lot of live videos. He's got un like unreal concerts from the footage I've seen. Yeah, and uh, my guess is he did. He would definitely be able to do this live. I don't okay. think it would be difficult for him to do this live. Yeah, he's just he's just that talented as an artist. Yeah, because uh, that was the one thing I took. I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, it it felt sped up. The the like, it felt like it was just they increased the tempo just a little bit in studio, but it, they might not have. That might have been just my interpretation of it. Yeah, I, but but that's also possible as well because yeah. the one constant in in JPEG Mafia's music, and it, it really only is one because everything he makes is so experimental and different. Yeah, but the one running thread is that he actively aims for his music to not be accessible whatsoever mm. he okay. wants to go against the grain he wants to challenge his listeners he wants to create controversy and have people say what did i just listen to did i yeah. even like that and it's a bold strategy for an artist for sure sure yeah uh, and that's why he's fairly underground uh indie mm. i'd say as as an artist but i love it and i think it sounds great the the other thing that impressed me, and, and and I think we talked about this last week, where for an artist to make money, they have you have to get people to listen to thirty seconds, the first thirty seconds of a song to get to get into it. 
and how the hook is so much quicker now and you get into the song so much quicker. This doesn't fall into that category. It's uh, the first 30 seconds is just the sample uh, and it's sort of the instrumental bit. So I thought that was quite interesting how he definitely doesn't go to convention with that modern convention with that one. Um, All time convention. This is how music sounded there. Sometimes there's long intros, not so much anymore, but yeah, I thought that was quite interesting as well. Yeah. He, I think with that, the intention of that is, sort of warming up the listener for what they're about to hear because if you just started right when the beat fully kicked in then it would just be almost impossible to distinguish what's going on right whereas by letting the sample build up build in volume you start throwing in some of the other elements of the beat slowly uh it's like a nice way of of signaling what's coming i think uh but like you said perfectly modern mainstream music they don't do that and uh, it's always nice to see I, I watched the video of it because I love music videos. I, I found the music video quite interesting because it was set in an urban scene. Then it wasn't. Then it was. <laughs> uh, have you seen the video? I have, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So do you know where that was shot? Because I was like, is this Africa? Because it was urban. Then it was desert. But then there was like a highway in the background. I'm like, is this some small town in the US that was just like, it's gone now because it looked like there was no one living there do you have any idea of what was going on in the video i i don't know i have no information on where it would have been shot or any info on the actual production of it Uh, i just thought the video was really cool i love the retro aesthetic yeah it's a very interesting so i'd uh we'll put it in the show notes uh, a link to to the music video because yeah it 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 covered so many different app. It was very urban. Then it wasn't. And then it was, yeah. uh, there was, you know, trucks in the background. He looked like he was dressed like a, a motorcycle mechanic at one point, uh, with his blue, uh, jumper. Uh, yeah. So it was, it's a pretty cool video. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Like definitely worth a watch. Yeah. So it's, uh, you really got to contextualize music like this, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you wanted to know more about Peggy. And so I'll just run us through like a, a very brief biography of his life. Sure. So tell me. Born, I, I'm very curious. Yes. Yeah. He was born in Brooklyn uh, to Jamaican immigrant parents uh, when he was, I believe, nine, 10 in and around there. He moved to small town, Alabama, uh, basically in the middle of nowhere, rural, rural Bama. And he said he faced uh, like or unsurprisingly uh, a lot of racism there. Um, you know, they were the only black family in this town of a thousand people. And, uh, you know, he said that was kind of like a formative time in his life, the, the challenges and struggles that come with that. And then when he turned 18, uh, he enlisted in the army and was deployed overseas to Iraq, uh, on a tour of duty. He was honorably discharged from the army after that one tour and, uh, moved back home to the U S went to Baltimore, Maryland and started teaching himself how to make music uh, from scratch, basically. He learned how to produce, how to make all his own instrumentals. Uh, he does song, the songwriting, the engineering, the mixing. He obviously writes his lyrics and he raps. He just sort of taught himself with YouTube tutorials and trial and error. Um, and he cites Kanye as his biggest musical influence uh, just because of he was, said he was fascinated with Kanye's use of sampling and his production. And I think that absolutely shows in this song. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really funny how we pick up on these sort of threads and um, with Peggy, I, I think you said his name was Peggy. That, yeah, that's his nickname. Um, so there is quite 
uh, an interesting connection with our independent artist this week, Funk Boy DC. I don't know. Do you know Funk Boy DC? Uh, I, I know he's a, a friend of a friend. Yeah. I've, so I've listened he, to his, his singles. So he's a Congolese-born musician who moved to Canada. And uh, I think he lives somewhere in Virginia as well, in, in the States. And even Robbie Robertson, the artist that I got you to listen to later, he he's sort of a, a migrant around the, around North America as well. So there's a, you know, a really cool connection there with with all three artists that we're going to listen to today. Yeah. That is a really cool connection. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So after, after hearing like his biography, you know, the fact he lived in rural Alabama, subject to a lot of racism, uh, went overseas, deployed in Iraq. Uh, does that give you any context? Do you feel like you're missing or, just because you seemed very curious about, about yeah, who I, this guy I, is. I think it was the music video that that really did my head in because I couldn't place it. I couldn't place where the where the where the video was taking place. Then I was thinking, is he in? Is this in Africa? Is this an African like uh, hip hop artist? Like I I couldn't really pick it. And it sounds like he's kind of a little bit of everything, which is which is neat. He is a little bit of everything, and what what you identify with the video where you couldn't really place it or make sense of it. That's that just goes back to the common thread running through his music and yeah. everything he does, where he intentionally tries to be esoteric and provocative and keep you on your toes. And that's something I really appreciate because yeah. it's it's easy to point to thousands, not thousands, but hundreds of mainstream artists that their music is made as accessible as possible. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with accessibility nope. because... Sometimes you need that, <laughs> yep. but like any industry, the music industry needs people who are willing to push the envelope, push yeah, the boundaries. Absolutely. And that's another reason why I, I picked this song by Peggy for this week, because we're, we're just coming off a little bit of a punk phase in, on this podcast. Yeah. And yep. uh, I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that Peggy is just another uh, example of, of where the punk movement has led to in, in modern yeah. day. Well, it's needed. I think uh, punk rock is needed more today than than ever before. So um, I'm glad that there's some artists out there that are sort of fighting the the uh, the norm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just like uh, Slow Tie, our, yep. our artist last week, remember I was talking about with you, there was the controversy when he went on stage with the Boris Johnson head. Yeah, yeah. So Peggy, he hasn't done anything that public uh, or visible to cause controversy, but he is a really controversial guy just in terms of uh, how outspoken he is about his uh, political views and beliefs. So he's got very strong left-wing views, um, mm. which he claims were uh, sort of inspired by, again, his time in Alabama and his time in the military, in the U.S. military. Um, that really informed a lot of his philosophies uh, how he views things, how he views political situations, social issues. And that is absolutely reflected in his music. Um, his first album, Veteran, was all about sort of his experiences coming back from overseas and the things that he saw, the new perspectives he had. Of course, all communicated through this like super aggressive rap delivery where he's mm -hmm. screaming at you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there was a song on that album called uh, I Cannot Fucking Wait Till Morrissey Dies. <laughs> He's not a Morrissey fan, I guess. No, doesn't like Morrissey. Wow. Uh, hates neoliberals, hates the alt-right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's just a really controversial guy and invites yeah. it, which well, I, was, I think is cool. 
uh, you know, it's funny. We're in the 80s month for my music, and I was going to probably play you a Smith song later on. I don't know how much you know about the Smiths. Uh, I was going to play you a Smith song. I, I have no issue with, with yeah. the Smiths' music. I, I yeah. do think Morrissey's a tool. Uh, so... <laughs> yeah, what is it? Irish Heart, English Blood, I think it was one of his songs that he released, which is a little bit silly, I guess. But that's Morrissey. He releases weird titles for, for music. Yeah, and then there's the bit about uh, kicking dirt on Bowie's grave and the yeah. saying Barack Obama was white on the inside. And Yeah. Uh, He's, oh, I'll, give this, I'll give this to Morrissey. He's very punk rock. He, he, he has no, he has no uh, is, issues uh, expressing himself. Yeah, very punk rock, just uh, the yeah. opposite side uh, of, yeah. of Peggy, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's mm-hmm. this song, it's pretty short, uh, like most punk songs. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so hard to make sense of. It's surreal. But I think it's brilliant. And, yeah. uh, you know, as we said, there's, there's the sample running through it that's sort of carrying the whole song, in my opinion. Um, and we'll just play a little snippet of that sample right here. There's a fear of nightfall when darkness comes and covers. And so, again, you can see the Kanye influence there. Yeah. Because that little 15 second section, he built an entire song out of that. Right. Changed the pitch, the tempo, everything. And without that sample, the song literally wouldn't exist. And I think that is that takes immense talent and creativity to do. Yeah, it's it's amazing what technology has allowed people to do and and, and inspired people and increased creativity. Can you imagine if the Beatles had this, you know, this amount of um, technology at their fingertips right now? Like, what would what would their music sound like? So, yeah, I love technology in that way. It would be mind melding yeah. the, the Beatles' music. But yeah. to, to me, what always gets me is how can someone listen to this nineteen eighty seven soul song? soul r&b song hear 10 seconds of it and think and oh yeah i can make a i can make a song out yeah of that. yeah that's <laughs> it's neat that's the great thing about music yeah blows my mind blows my yeah. mind i don't have the creativity to do it but i'm glad no. i'm glad dudes like peggy are capable of it for us well on a side note it's funny uh the song's called hazard duty pay and because i live in australia i try never to say the word duty because <laughs> Of my accent here in Australia, people laugh at me when I say duty uh, because it sounds like poo, like duty. Okay, that's, yeah. what, that's what you're getting at, yeah. Um, so me and me and Darren used to work in the same workplace, and there was a desk called the duty desk, and people would just laugh every time I said the duty desk. <laughs> and so I started saying it a little bit differently. I started saying Judy, uh, like with a J, just yes. so people would stop laughing at me and I would sound more Australian. Is that where the Judy desk came from? Yeah, the Judy desk. I would start saying, instead of the duty desk, I would start saying the Judy desk, and people would just stop laughing at me and thought I was saying it properly. So, But I, would liter- I was literally saying Judy, J-U-D-Y, instead of duty. So yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. There you go. Yeah, it's, yeah. He, he wasn't thinking about the Australians when he released no. the song. The <laughs> no, he wasn't. Has a duty pay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, I laughed when I saw the title of the song. I was like, oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, so so would you say you like this song or Jury's Still Out? I think the Jury's Still Out. I, I think um, I would have to listen to it more and in uh, other works uh, by him to see to see to see what 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 is on the road for me. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I will say if if you do actually plan on listening to more songs by him, uh, steal yourself. It's some crazy it, stuff. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I 
stretched your listening with my with my song as well. So I'm curious on if you like the song that I got you to listen to. So uh, I think we're both stretching uh, each other with with our choices yeah. this week. Yeah, which is great. Which yeah. is great. And but before we talk about your song, yeah. uh, Darren, let us hear it. I can understand it's a goodish song, but not for me. Cool. I like that. Thank you. All right. So going on to my song, we talked about 1987. So this song was released in the year 1987 when I was 13. Now, 13 is very important in correlation to this song. Um, I think 13 is that age where you start developing your musical taste. How old were you when you listened to Kanye for the first time or you got into Kanye the first time? 13. Yeah, I think (laughs) 13. And 13 was me. 13 was when I heard, when I really got into U2 and In Excess and Bruce Springsteen and, and those bands. So I think 13 is really an important age. And the, and I heard the song when I was 13. So let me just say that off the bat. Uh, we're going to listen to Robbie Robertson, uh, a Canadian artist from uh, just the suburbs of Toronto with the song Somewhere Down the Crazy River. Darren, just hit play. Nick, it's a very different song. Yeah. No what, were, what were your thoughts about uh, Somewhere Down the Crazy River? You know, where people play games with the night. I think it's one of the coolest songs I've ever heard, uh, yeah. with a special emphasis on, on the cool. It's. First listen, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Yeah. The instrumental's nice. Uh, I was mad on his voice. I didn't really think much of it. Uh, but I persevered, and um, I, I realized that the strength of this song is in the storytelling, yeah. in lyricism. And once that clicked for me, once I realized that, oh, this is like a, it's a slice of life, uh, moment in time, he's he's singing, uh, or, or talking almost, it sounds like, just almost like it's straight out of a diary. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be really, really, really cool. And uh, I'll explain why in a, in a bit, but first... Yeah. Tell me why you chose this song for me. I, I want to know. Okay. So Robbie Robertson, as I said, is a Canadian artist born around Toronto. Uh, he has led a very interesting life. He's in his 80s. No, he's 79 now. So he's almost 80 now. So this song was released in 1987. He would have been probably just turning 40, say. Uh, Robbie Robertson, at the age of 14, this is what... He was born in 1956, I think. Uh, um yeah, born 1950. No, sorry, he started playing in bands in 1956 when he was 14. So imagine 1956, he left school and joined a carnival that roamed around Canada. And uh, at the CNE, he was part of the freak show where he was managing freaks uh, at the CNE. Now, the CNE, if you don't know, it's the Canadian National Exhibition, which is held in August for a couple weeks or two or three weeks every year. Uh, there's rides, there's games you can play, um, and there apparently there used to be a freak show. <laughs> not not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. And Robbie Robinson worked at the freak show. So I just want to sort of put that out there. He's a very interesting guy. And can you imagine a 14-year-old leaving school and just traveling with the circus? 
No, um, that sounds like something out of a book or a movie. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So right there, that was like, well, that's kind of mental. And then he met Ronnie Hawkins. Have you ever heard of Ronnie Hawkins? The name sounds familiar. I know nothing about them. So Ronnie Hawkins is this uh, American singer who moved to Canada because he started gaining more success in Canada and lived in around Toronto. Uh, he joined the Ronnie Hawkins band and played guitar on the band and started to travel around North America. And that's how he started gaining success. Now, I'm just going to touch on Ronnie Hawkins really, really briefly, because Ronnie Hawkins lived in Streetsville. Now, I grew up in Streetsville. Streetsville is this little town in Mississauga, Ontario. Uh, when I grew up in Streetsville, it felt like a very, very small town in a really big city. It's about 45 minutes by train to Toronto. And in 1969, guess who spent a little bit of time with Ronnie Hawkins in Streetsville in 1969? One of my grandparents? No. John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Oh, damn. Okay, wait, what? <laughs> yes, exactly. John Lennon and Yoko Ono they spent were, some t- spent some time in Streetsville, in Streetsville for, for a little bit of time, yeah. Why? Uh, just because Ronnie Hawkins was Ronnie there? Hawkins was hanging out in Streetsville, so John Lennon and Yoko Ono spent a bit of time in Streetsville. It's one of the little known facts about Streetsville. That, that is pretty nuts. That's, it, that's crazy. Why... <laughs> just imagining that is is crazy to me yeah. that's like I, i've obviously spent a lot of time in streetsville yes my, you know our, my grandparents lived there and yeah. always be visiting and stuff so yeah that's i i've definitely got a connection to streetsville and i cannot yeah. believe they spent Isn't that time crazy there. yeah uh if yeah. you if you do a google search for john lennon in streetsville you'll see pictures of him riding a snowmobile with yoko on, on the back around streetsville uh, so he, I believe the house that they lived in was near. Do you remember where the Franklin house is in Streetsville? No. It's, you know, where the train tracks are, you know, where the mill is. There's, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's that white house that that's there. Apparently, okay. apparently it was in that area where, where John Lennon was uh, living for a while. Uh, well, li- <laughs> living for a while. Like he was there for like a weekend and apparently yeah. he racked up a $9,000 phone bill and left it and stuck it to Ruddy Hawkins. Wow. That's, that's kind of a dick move. Yeah, it is a little bit of a dick move. So Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's yeah. So I thought that was uh, that was crazy. I, I've been wanting to work that into a store into a podcast for a long time. But John Lennon spent some time in my hometown. Uh, but there you go. So he did spend some time in Streetsville. That must be relieving to get that off your chest. Yes, after, I've been after forty six episodes. Forty six yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um. So as I said, I was thirteen when this song came out. It sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. It sounded nothing like any of the music that was being played at the time. And I fell in love with this song. I think. Uh, the music. Uh, did you have a chance to see the music video? I did. I yeah. did, and I think that made me appreciate it more. Guess who directed that? Some movie director, Martin Scorsese. I was going to guess Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. It, and you know why I would I guess that is because the other best adjective other than cool I can give this song is cinematic. Yeah, it sounds so cinematic, and that's a compliment in my yeah. opinion. I I love that, and I think it's really unique well uh robbie robertson and martin scorsese worked on a lot of movie scores together raging bull king of comedy color of money uh and they continue to work together to this day uh they worked on uh, the last movie they worked on together was the irishman uh so he does a lot of the scores for for a lot of martin scorsese movies yeah and this is just making uh more puzzle pieces fit together for me because uh the the other thing i was thinking of was atmospheric this song is so atmospheric yeah uh 
And it makes sense that he has gone on to score movies because apparently Robbie Robertson just has a really good ear for setting a tone, for setting a mood and a vibe. Yeah. Uh, because th- this song, it-, it wasn't until I listened to it in my room in the dark with headphones on and a glass yeah. of whiskey and a yeah. candle going yep. that I really like appreciated it to, to the most I could. It's it, it needs that sort of purposeful listening in a laid yeah. back environment. So Robbie Robertson was in a band called the band that were quite popular in the sixties. Uh, so it was when he was with Levon Helm, who was, I believe the drummer in the band, they, who was from Arkansas and they were, they were fishing with dynamite, which is apparently a, a common thing to do in Arkansas. That sounds crazy. Yeah. And it was like, it was really hot night and they were fishing with dynamite and they asked a local for directions and the local said, said to, to leave on Helm and Robbie Robertson, it's somewhere down the crazy river. And so that's where you sort of got the song in his head and uh, yeah, that's where the title for the song in his head. And then he, then he wrote it later on. Yeah. Yeah, it just it feels like he's sitting down at a campfire with you or sitting at a bar with you and just telling you a story mm-hmm. about his, uh, a time in, in the backcountry rural Arkansas, right? And yeah. that's really cool. And the way he told the story with his verses, but uh, having that chorus uh, in between, it reminded me so much of uh, quote-unquote storytelling tracks in mm-hmm. rap music. Right. Right which are fairly common. It's one of my favorite type of rap song. Uh, And that was the connection I made. And once I thought, oh, this is like uh, a storytelling track, Hmm. that also really helped me appreciate this. Uh, The producer on this track was Daniel Lenoir, a famous Canadian uh, producer who's produced U2, Coldplay. Sorry, not Coldplay, U2, uh, Bob Dylan, um, and Robert Robertson. So uh, Daniel Lenoir is one of those great producers, and I think this song sounds amazing. I think the instrumental part is 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 pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Lush is the word that comes to mind. Really, just yeah. full and uh, technically great. It's it's a com- fairly complex instrumental. There's a lot of moving parts, but everything's mixed really well. Yeah. I did notice that. I, I, yeah. I love that. Big fan of of good mixing. <laughs> yeah. No. So the song so, sounds great. good. Uh, speaking of 1987, that is a year that sort of just lives in my musical memory because the Joshua Tree came out in 1987. Bruce Springsteen released one of his best albums in 1987. In Excess released Kick in 1987. Robbie Robertson released this album. REM, I think, released Green or Document in 1987. It was just one of those years where every band that I ever loved released an album in. Uh, I was spoiled for choice as a 13-year-old on what I was going to listen to. And I saw my first concert as sort of a teenager in 1987, which was U2 at uh, Exhibition Stadium for the Joshua Tree Tour. It was three degrees in October. I have no idea why they played a show in October in Canada, but hey, what are you, you going to do? I went with your dad. So me and your dad went to see U2 in 1987. So 1987 was a good year. That's what yeah. I'm hearing. So, yeah, so, uh, and the song we're going to listen to next week for me is In Excess New Sensation, which is again from the album called Kick, which was released in 1987. So, we're going to continue down this theme for, for a bit of time. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And uh, it, it just hit me actually, like, as you were telling me about 1987, what I, it's been bugging me so much what I thought this song sounded like and the comparison I was trying to make. And uh, do you know the song Spody Odi Dopalicious by Outcast? No. That. It reminds it, you of that to a T yeah. to a T it's, it's uh, uncanny. Like how alike the two sound. Uh, and now that I'm thinking about it, like it, it was either directly inspired by this song or 
the butterfly effect led to its creation right. from, yeah. from this song. Like exact same type of vibe. You should definitely check it out. Spodiodidopolicious. Cool. Yeah, I will. Yeah, um, it's funny. I, I played this song for Angie, who had never heard the song before. And she yelled, turn it off, turn it off. She thought it sounded like an old man singing about banging a young chick. Uh, so she got totally cringed out by the song and hated it. Um, so I was like, oh, I wonder if Nick will hate it or, or, or like it. Yeah, and my girlfriend hated this song. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't find that to be an issue for me, but yeah. I, I could see that that interpretation for sure. <laughs> yeah. I could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So when you listen to it, yeah, keep that in mind. I guess uh, to our to our faithful <laughs> listeners, uh, that is one interpretation of the song that happened to me this week as well. Yeah. Well, what can you do? Yeah. It well, is. No, it, it, it is. A, it is a good song. I, yeah. I think anyway. Uh, my my dad actually called me, and he said, "Have you listened to the to the song?" Uh, and I said, "No, I, I haven't yet." Uh, and I was like, "Why?" Like, because he he never like asks where he's like, "Have you?" Yeah you listen to the song that, that uncle Pete gave you. And I was like, no, I, I haven't got around to it yet. He's like, Oh, okay. I won't say anything then. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to give you any bias. So I'm very curious to see now what, what yeah. he would have told me he, he thought about it, but yeah, I'm sure I'll uh, hear soon. This was actually a bit of a hit as well, which is really surprising. This charted really well in England, uh, not so much in Canada, but in the States, it charted a little bit too. This album actually sold really well for, for Robbie Robertson. Um, but yeah, this song specifically entered the charts in England, which surprised me. It's not a single kind of song, if you if you know what I mean. No, no, no not at all. Like I said, I think this is a song that needs to be uh, listened to with intent. Yeah. And, and some some care to, to what you're doing when you listen to it. It's not something I'd really just throw on while i'm doing whatever while i'm in the shower or something like yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's not something to have on in the background i i, I think that you're kind of missing the the focus of the song which is the lyricism and the storytelling yeah so i'm surprised no, it, it had radio success yeah me too because this is I, I don't think this is a song i could listen to every day or you know by the single of i think this is a deep cut on an album no doubt no yeah. doubt. This could be the like the outro on an album or something. Absolutely, you know? yeah. No, I so I, I love somewhere down the crazy river. Um, I think too. Uh, Robert Robertson is native Canadian. I think there's quite an an influence of that to the song as well. Um, especially there's other songs on this album called like uh, Broken Arrow. Uh, so his native Canadian really comes through in a lot of the songs uh, uh, on this album specifically. That is cool. I like that. Uh, yeah. I love when artists rep Canada. Yep. Um, and I, I have heard of Robbie Robertson before. Like it's the name sounded super familiar, but I don't think I've ever knowingly listened to a Robbie Robertson song before, actually, yeah. uh, despite him being like a really prominent Canadian artist. So what were some of his other like massive or not, you know what I mean? Big songs yeah. that, that were popular in Canada. Uh, he with the band, uh, they had like Cripple Creek, uh, probably their big song with the band. Uh, band were really, really, really cool uh, band. Um, they <laughs> broke up, I think, nineteen sixty nine, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's they have a music movie, which was the last concert they played, directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, as well. So that is like one of the best known concert movies of all time. Uh, people try to re remake that movie. Uh, for as a concert film by Martin Scorsese, obviously he's he's one of those great directors uh, and did a really great job directing that that film. Um, probably Broken Arrow would probably be uh, his best known song from this album, uh, but it's a fantastic album. Um, he actually 
I think there's a song and I'm, I'm forgetting the title of it where he recorded it with Peter Gabriel. And okay. there's, there's another song where you two backed him up. And uh, so the song was the band playing the song was you two and, and Bono was doing back background vocals on the song. Uh, so that's another one of my favorite songs. That yeah, one's called a great collab for you. Yeah. That one's called testimony, uh, which is a really, really good uh, rock and song. So yeah, those are the ones that I would recommend. Cool. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll definitely check those out because yeah. uh, I, I'm intrigued. It's I, I really like atmospheric cinematic music like this. Uh, again, it's not something I can just listen to all the time. It's not something that has a lot of replay value for me, but I like it checking wouldn't. it out. Yeah, I, I would say you're right. Replay value is is minimal. I think this is a song you listen to specifically or in, with intent, as you said. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But I will say I, I think it's a good song. I do. Yeah. Maybe my dad disagrees. Maybe that's what he was calling me to tell me. But <laughs> I'm gonna say I your dad. Li- I'm gonna say your dad liked Robert Robinson, so, or likes Robert Robinson. He's still alive. Oh, and by the way, Ronnie Hawkins is now 87 years old, and he was born two days after Elvis Presley. So, if you ever want to know how old Elvis, Elvis Presley would be right now, the answer is 87 years old. Wow. Yeah, that's strange to think about. Yeah, he would have been <laughs> eight, uh, Elvis Presley would have been 87 years old if he was still alive. And Ronnie Hawkins still lives in Canada. So uh, I think he lives in Pickering of all places. Oh, not Streetsville? No, no. Apparently he left Streetsville. Uh, maybe he was trying to ditch that $9,000 phone bill. Who knows? Could be. Could be. Maybe he fled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Darren, what did you think of Somewhere Down the Crazy River? I didn't mind it. I don't think it'll be an everyday song. But no, I didn't it mind shouldn't it. be. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I already told our listeners what song you're going to listen to next week which is uh new sensation by nxs what song do you have for me next week so next week uh you're going to listen to four seasons by rex orange county cool never heard of that i'm looking forward to it it's it's a really really cool song very creative song and it's got some some neat structure to it nice nice cool looking forward to that all right let's go to this week in music history this week in music history I'm at a loss this week, Nick. Um, I hate both these songs. Uh, In 1973, the number one song was The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia by Vicki Lawrence. Darren, just hit play. That's the night that the lights went out in Georgia. That's the night that they honored the innocent man. Well, don't trust your soul and all backwood southern lawyers. Now, when I typed, when I saw that this song was number one and I looked at the name Vicki Lawrence, I was like, where do I know this name from? And then it dawned on me that she was on a TV show called Mama's Family. Did you ever watch that in your household? No, never. I I thought that might be a show your mother watched where she played like a grandmother, but like wore a wig and old woman's clothing. And it was, it's a really terrible show. Um, and she was also on Hannah Montana. I think she played Hannah Montana's grandmother on that show okay. as well. Uh, but yeah, she's, I know her as an actress. I had no idea she was a singer, uh, but I'm not a fan of the song. It's not a good song. No. It's paint, paint by the numbers, uh, 1970s affair. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not like the song. And then in the year 2000, um, the number one song is Maria Maria by Santana. Darren, do it. Turn up this sound system to the sound of Carlos Santana. 
All right. I like that I, song. I like that song. I got to say it. I, like I it. hate that song <laughs> so much. You have to understand in the year 2000, Santana was huge. This song was everywhere. And I've said this before. I was working in this computer place and I was doing a lot of warranty returns and minor help desk calls. And the radio station that my boss listened to was 99.9, the Mix FM. I don't know if it's that what, if that if that's what it's called anymore. But every hour they'd play a Santana song. And it was driving me crazy. And I said to my boss that if he doesn't change the radio station, I'm going to call Amnesty International and claim human rights violations. But then I thought, if I call Amnesty, they're just going to put me on hold and I'll just hear that fucking song again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was terrible. The year 2000 and Santana is, is a bad mix for me. I, I do like Santana, I have to uh, say. I But it's you. We're, we're approaching these songs from two completely different perspectives because you yeah. had to listen to all these popular songs get overplayed. Whereas yes. for me, when when I hear them, it's like a fun throwback once yeah. in a while. No, no, you're right. It's that's <laughs> true. No, I hate the song so much. Like I've probably heard the song six times in my life, all at a club or bar when they're doing like the throwback section of the of the mm. mix. Yeah, and I would probably hear the song six times a day and around its heyday. So yeah, there you go. There yeah, you go. I, Darren, did, what did you think about Maria? Maria, did you did you like it when it came out? Uh, no. But it yeah. was everywhere at the time, so yeah, it was it was just too much. And Santana, God, God help him, made it. He made a truckload of money. So um, the the strange thing about Santana, you've you've heard of the concert Woodstock, yeah. So Santana was the first artist to play Woodstock. So he he was the opener. Wow. So so think about Woodstock, nineteen sixty nine, to the year two thousand when he released his most popular album. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That is pretty crazy. Yeah. So that's the weird thing about Santana, I, which always blew my mind. I was like, why is this guy popular? He's 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 in his 50s. He hasn't been around since 1970. But yeah, he was. Uh, this is his, a really big album for him. Yeah. Good for Santana. Good for Santana. All right. Uh, what do you, uh, you told me that you're doing mostly school stuff for the rest of the week? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I'm also uh, going out for uh, two of my friends' birthdays. They both land this week, so going out Saturday night for that and coming back in time to watch the Australian Grand Prix. You guys have F1 in your, your country this weekend. Where's that being, where's that being uh, raced? Uh, Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So I'm a big F1 fan, so I'm yeah. very excited for that. Uh, it's yeah. at 1 a.m. Uh, because I believe it's like 3, uh, yeah. 3 p.m. it starts the local time. So that makes sense. I stay yeah. up late for that one, but it's only fair because Australian F1 fans have to wake up very early. For the other yeah. Races. Well, speak, speaking of Melbourne, I'm going there for a week in July because Manchester United are playing two games in Melbourne. That's exciting. That's yeah, so they're exciting. playing the Melbourne, a the Australian soccer team, which I can't remember the name of it, maybe United or I don't know. I can't remember what their name is. And then they're also playing Crystal Palace in, in Melbourne. Whoa. And you're seeing both? I, I Well, I haven't bought tickets yet. Uh, I'm part of the Manchester United Supporters Club. And right. they're trying to get us tickets all in one sort of area, so we stay as a club. Right. Uh, it's a big stadium; it's a, it can seat a hundred thousand people. So I'm guessing I'm going to be able to get tickets. And I'm trying to convince right. Darren to come, but he doesn't want to go to the cold in Melbourne, do you, Darren? <laughs> Not Melbourne in winter, no. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Melbourne in winter would be like Vancouver in winter. I'm guessing, rainy, cold. Uh, it, it it'll change every every ten minutes to something different. So that'll be Melbourne in the winter time. Eh, you'll be fine, Darren. Yeah. Strap on a windbreaker. As, as the Australians say, Darren, cup of concrete. 
There you go. There you go. Well, and, and speaking of, uh, of soccer, uh, I'm stressing for the Manchester City Liverpool game Sunday. That's is that is that I'm, this week? That's yeah, this Sunday. That, so from now until then, uh, it's currently Thursday. I'm yeah. just a, a ball of anxiety for that game. Yeah, that could that could be your season. Yeah, it will be the season. Yeah. Oh, all so right. wish us luck. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. You, uh, you hope both teams lose, actually, don't you? <laughs> they asked Gary Neville. Do you know who Gary Neville is? I do. Yeah. So they asked Gary Neville when, when Man City and Liverpool were the two teams that were going to win the Premier League, Premiership. They asked Gary Neville, is like, who did he want to win? And he goes, that's like asking, who do you want to sleep with your wife? <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to go with that answer. I I, I don't know. I, I want them both to lose. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. I, that's what I would expect you to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, that's yeah. That'll be a good game. I'm not going to watch it, but uh, yeah, it'll be a good game. It will be. Yeah. Cool. And let's get to our independent artist this week. And you mentioned that it's a friend of a friend of yours. Uh, it's Funk Boy DC. Uh, have you heard his music? I have. Yeah. I yeah. I think his music is super, super cool. Yeah. Uh really fresh honestly it's a fresh sound that i haven't heard a lot of uh independent artists or up-and-coming artists really like venture into or explore uh he's got a lot of like g-funk elements the uh, vocal effects uses i'm I'm a sucker for vocal effects and I, i think his are really cool and yeah just the production sounds uh retro but modern at the same time and i think it's a really good mix and uh i've loved what i've heard so far Right. So the song we're going to listen to is Unpredictable. And here's a little bit of a bio on Funk Boy. Uh, is a Congolese-born musician, producer, and director based in the tr- greater Toronto area. Upon birth, his family relocated to Reston, Virginia, where he, int- where he was introduced to Outkast and the Black Eyed Peas. His father was a big fan of hip-hop music, and soon they created a bond with that genre. Influenced heavily by late 90s and 2000s era, DC is set to show the world how flavorful, flavorful his sound is. And I agree. So we're going to listen to Unpredictable. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always. And I look forward to next week. You got it. Darren, just hit play. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. All right, then check it out. Yeah. Come and tell me what's going on. Come and tell me what's on with you. Shit's been so unpredictable. Shit's been so unpredictable. Talk to me when you're feeling nice. When you cold, bet you're feeling right. Yeah, a long ride, but I'm hoping I can meet you. Been a soft pie, so I know that everything will seem to go to the damn plot. Yeah, like I'm all shocked. Using time since the weight is hurling over you Manifesting, been attracting, loving, that's been overdue It's hard for me to let you know Three times a week I try to show The things that crossed into my heart Right from the start It's hard for me to come and say I try and all I do is pray I need you right here from the start I know you're far Come and tell me what's going on Come and tell me what's on with you Shit's been so unpredictable Shit's been so unpredictable Come and tell me what's going on Come and tell me what's on with you Shit's been so unpredictable Shit's been so unpredictable So from the start, I'm rapping from my heart 
This life is full of blessings if you preach it like some art I'm trying to find the answers, but the answer's been all over But we spend time, rewind, shit that's hurting real deep In a maze, in a phase, in a moment to control it with some grace Through the past, never last, always gone, always out, always fast Now you see, everything that you were worried about I got it, I got it too, totally understand This shit been crazy, but Come and talk to me. Come and tell me something new. <laughs> it's just me and you. I got you. Come and tell me what's going on. Come and tell me what's on with you. Shit's been so unpredictable. Shit's been so unpredictable. Come and tell me what's going on. Come and tell me what's on with you. Shit's been so unpredictable. Shit's been so unpredictable. You've been listening to Just Hit Play. To contact your hosts, Peter and Nick, or to be featured on an episode as musical talent, email justhitplay7300 at gmail.com. Keep up to date with news and announcements by following on Instagram and Facebook, linked in the show notes. Subscribe on your favourite podcatcher to tune in next week for more Sonic Delights. And if you can't wait till then, check out the Just Hit playlist on Spotify, linked in the show notes. A special thanks to Braden Munch for the theme song, and thank you for listening.